Well, welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you're here today. These chairs are really awkward, and so what? It's okay. Uh, how come you're so far back over there? You, you can bring them forward. You want me to move around? And then I'll make it the really front row. <laughs> well, I, I'm so thankful for this church body. I'm willing to be flexible and to just figure some things out as we move through life. Like, if you're a first-time guest, you know, we say we're a church. We're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended church to be. I mean, no one's got it figured out. And we're also a project. Um, we are always trying to figure out what it looks like to love God and, and to love his mission in this world and to live in community and to do it together. So I think this morning already at Church Project is just a good example of what it looks like to hold life a little loosely. You know, and to let, let the Spirit speak and to celebrate with Brent, Jeremy and Brittany as, you know, and Jeremy told me, uh, you know, about two months ago or whenever, I don't know when to go, that they were pregnant and, and we've been on this journey. We've been, we've been invited into this journey and to celebrate with them is awesome. Thank you for sharing that and, and inviting us onto this story with you. Yeah. Um, and, and thank you, Josh, Marissa, all the leadership of crew and everything that you're doing, like the impact. If, if you... Um, don't want to make an impact in this world, don't come to Church Project. I mean, because one of the things that we do is ministry partnerships. And it's true. Um, we're all going to be pushed out of our box a little bit. We're all going to get a little bit uncomfortable. But can you see the impact that's happening with crew? Like, incredible, guys. You're going around the world, and you're changing lives at the college level. And they're the, the leaders of the future. And so, Please surround um, these students today and, and ongoing and go up and, and, injure, and encourage Josh and Julie and Marissa and the leadership of crew because I got to believe that on the campus level, it's hard to stand for Christ, right? And so encourage them today. Um, we started a, a little different and that's okay. Um, I want to thank Bill Jerky for last week, the incredible message you did. There, there weren't too many jokes. I was like, where's all the jokes at? I mean, it was pretty, it was really good. So would you please honor Bill for the message last week? Did a good job. And lastly, before we get in, if you don't own a Bible, just raise your hand and Carl and Jared will bring you a Bible because we got a lot of Bible we're digging through today, a ton. Um, we're going to be going through Acts chapter 13, verses 16 through 52. I got, a, I got a bottle of water because it's so much. Um, but if you don't have a Bible, you can also open up your Version Bible app on your phone and then go to the event section, search for events, church project, our notes will pop up automatically, and I'd encourage you to download those notes so when you go to house church this week, you can have those notes to talk about, and we also put a good reading plan on there as well, and so that's a good way to connect with church project. Um, I want to just ask you a question before we get started here. Well, actually, make a statement. It's a statement I read from a book by an incredible leader and thought thinker in, the, in, in church world, and it's Alan Hirsch. And here's his thought. He says, without journey and risk, there can be no progress. Without journey and risk, there can be no progress. As a church, if we just want to sit back and be a country club and come experience the things that we know is going to happen, then we're not on a journey and we're not risking and there will be no progress. And I think the way that we look at church right now in 2018 has got to change because by 2019, it's going to look different. And 2020 
2021. And God is using each and every one of us in our relationships with him and this collection of the body, his ecclesia, to be on journey together and to risk. And if we're on journey together and we're risking, then we will see his church continue to push back the gates of hell and we will see progress. Is that what you want to be part of? Sign me up. That's, that's what I want to be part of. So keep that in mind as I read these 18 million verses that I'm going to go through. The message is actually going to be really, really simple. And so if you would, just follow along. Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 16. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites uh, and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose, chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their, their conduct in the wilderness. And he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. Verse 20. All of this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Verse 23. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. Verse 32, we tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus as it is written in the second psalm. You are my son. Today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Verse 38. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. 
a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your day that you would never believe, even if someone told you. Verse 42. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and did not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the, leader, the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off of their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Whew, I need a drink of water. What do you think of this passage? This is a lot to take in. And as I was thinking about it and praying about it for church project, I was thinking, God, where do you want to break this up? Like what, you really want me to get up and read 159,000 verses? Like what, what are you doing today? And he made it very, very clear. He said, yeah, I want you to go all the way to verse 52, but I'm going to point out some certain things to you as it pertains to church project and the people that are here today. And so if you look at verse 16, it says right away, standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. There's two phrases that really stand out to me in this verse. The first one is, right off the bat, standing up. And the second phrase you see is listening to me. Listen to me. Standing up, church. Being will willing and obedient is 90% of the success. I mean, the fact that he just stood up. He was already obedient. That's 90% of the success that we see in this story is that he was willing to stand up. He boldly, and they, the men both boldly stepped into what God had for them. They went where God told them to go. And church, I want to remind us that if we see ourselves as missionaries, which if you're a Christian, I'm going to ask this question. Hint, you should raise your hand. If, are you a Missionary, raise your hand. Yes. Stand up and boldly go because we go daily where God sends us. And he invites others to listen to our lives and to watch our lives. Today, by the way, we're set up in this weird little forum here. We're celebrating two individuals that are quite literally standing up 
and saying, I have a story to tell and a story to show as we do baptism. Like God has not asked us to be passive, just people that are consuming his church. No, he's asked us to be on a journey and to be active and to progress his name and the good news wherever we go. And there's no way that we're going to the same places every week. We all have our own story that we're living. The encouragement right now in verse 16 is to stand up and to boldly live your life so others will listen to the godly message that our lives have been given, that God's given our lives. Okay, don't worry, I'm not going to verse 17. Verse 17 through verse 32, do you notice the same thing I do? It's a lot of facts. It's a story. It's history. It's, I'm standing up. Listen to me. Now, from verse 17 all the way to 32, it's a recount and a retell of story. And it's, and it's inviting the, the people that they're speaking to to get on a story. And then we see in verse 32, we tell you the good news. They tell the story. They get a background. And they say in verse 32, we tell you the good news. They told the bigger story and how it related to them and how it related to the audience and, yes, how it even related to the audience's children and the children of the children. They tell this big narrative and they tell it to the world at large. Then I think we get to verse 38 and 39, and I might as well just have read those two verses and said everything points to these two verses. Everything that we read points to these two verses in verse 38 and 39. So if you would... Highlight it in your Bible, copy it in your phone, whatever you got to do. This is what their story is driving to. All the history, all their life. And by the way, as Bill pointed out last week, they traveled on boat to an island to another place. I mean, they're, they're traveling and they're telling this good news message. And we get to verse 38 and 39, and this is what it says. Therefore, my friends, I want, to, I want you to know that through Jesus... The forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. This is good news. Like They might as well be standing right here, right now. And saying to us, friends in Greeley, Colorado, of Church Project, Colorado, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that Jesus, that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from sin. This is the central point of their entire message. They're wise in how they present it. They back it up with facts, all these cool stories. They're telling it from their point of view, but the central point of their message is that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to them, and it's proclaimed to Aaron Havens. Thank God. Therefore, we see in verse 39, when you come across the word therefore, I know we said it all the time, but when you're reading the Bible and you come across the word therefore, you have to ask, what's it there for? I know it's cheesy, but you have to ask, why is this therefore there? Okay, so we come to therefore. Therefore is there for what? It's for the truth then. It points out the truth then, which is the truth now. They boldly state this truth. And not in a heady and complete theology, 
do they explain this story? It's not about your education. It's not about your degrees. It's not even about your physical accomplishments. The whole point of this story is, therefore, through Jesus, we're forgiven. Okay, I want to back up that for a second. Because I went to seminary, and I'm uber smart. I got some sick theology. I can back up verses with verses. So what? I mean, as a church, we need to get into our, to our Bible and learn, and we need to come up with our theology. It absolutely it drives our worldview. It's super important. But if I'm ever standing on my theology more than I'm standing on Jesus Christ and what he's done for me, kick me out the door, please. And that's just my world. What about your world? What do you stand on more than Jesus Christ? Can I kick you out the door? I mean, it's a fair game, right? I'll send Cody after you. Strong, man. What are you standing on more than Jesus? Therefore, kick it out the door because there's nothing greater than this. This is the central point of this passage. This is the central point of the Bible. Whatever you built your pride on, crush it. Whatever you fell into your identity in, crush it. If it's not Jesus Christ. Because you know what? As I talked with one of my friends again this morning, their identity was hurt. Once again, they fell into that bad thing that they did and said and thought. And they're tempted to find that to be their reality, not Jesus Christ. This is good news message for the messed up people in this room. I'll be the first in line for that. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you that it's not about my theology, not about my accomplishments, not about coming to church every Sunday morning and tithing in the back box. That was a plug for tithing. Let's go to verse 42. Yeah, verse 42 is the next thing that jumped out. The people invited them to speak further on these things the next Sabbath. You see that? Paul and Barnabas stood up, gave the story, gave it boldly, talked about it, proclaimed the gospel message, proclaimed the truth. And what did it do in verse 32? The people that were hearing this message for the first time, they invited them back. The truth in itself is compelling enough. The truth in itself is compelling enough. We don't need to flash it up. We don't need to do sleight of hand. The truth in itself is compelling enough. Truth stands out and is inviting people into it. And I'll say into him. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The world around us is looking for something to believe in, something that's true. And the truth itself is compelling enough. Get down to verse 42. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of God. So not only uh, seven days ago was this message so incredibly awesome and the truth presented in such a beautiful, God-loving way and Jesus was so highlighted that people were compelled. And they were compelled to the degree that almost the whole city showed up. So next week, I, I hope that all of Greeley shows up in this gym. Like, this message is compelling enough. The world is compelled to truth. And if we don't believe it, just think back, if you can remember, 9-11. I was at a church in Texas during 9-11. And that weekend, our church was packed. How about where you went? People were looking for truth. And when faced with the reality 
of pain and hurt, humanity is looking for truth. And I gotta be honest, sometimes as Christians, we're too busy to look for truth. We hide under our busyness and we just go about life without asking what God has for us. Don't get lost in the relative truth and especially college students. Don't get lost in the lies that that truth is relative. Like there is a truth and Jesus is very clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one finds a way to heaven. No one finds joy in life except through me. When we begin to play with the truth, when we begin to make it more about Jesus, Satan can come in and subtly start believing and giving us lies that there's other truth out there. And when that happens, Scripture just isn't as solid as it once used to be, and we can begin to play with our theology to make it say whatever we want it to say. Take me out for coffee if you don't believe me. But you're buying. Okay. Verse 49 and 50, we're almost done. Look at here, it says, the, world, the, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Of course. The word moved and spread because this was a love message that they were hearing. It wasn't about their works. It wasn't about crossing every T and dotting every the I and, lo- and looking just like the Christian part. No, this was a compelling message. But look in verse 50, the big butts got up. I got big butt. Like it came out in verse 50 right here. The word was compelling and spreading. And in verse 50, but, but what happened? People got scared. God is growing his church. And we read in this story, but fear and pride came in to the leaders in this church. Fear and pride. I want to quote my, my, uh, my, this book I'm reading again by Alan Hirsch. It's a different quote, but listen to this. It says, It is little wonder that our recommitments to the Christendom mode of church and thinking restricts us to past successes and gives us no real solution for the future. What does that mean for us at Church Project? On those cards in the back, those little business cards, it says this, we want to change the way people see Christ, Christians, and the church. We can't be held hostage from what's been in the past. We have to be on a journey with the Holy Spirit and with each other as we advance this gospel message from 2018 to 2019. And it takes all of us being alive in the moment standing up and marching together to push this good news message, the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We'll wrap up with these three words here, these four words here. In verse 42 through 51, you see the story, and I'd encourage you to go read it because it takes a while to read all this and comprehend all this. But they stand up, they speak about truth. The people are like, yes, the whole town comes. They want to hear the truth, except it scares them in verse 50. And then what it does, the message begins to turn on it. And you'll see in verse 42 through 51, there's certain words. And here they are. They say it incited, in verse 50, the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women 
Then they stirred up persecution and they expelled the, Paul and Barnabas from the region. And as Paul and Barnabas were leaving, they shook off the dust and said, we're out of here. We're taking this message to people that want it. Have you ever had this done to you? Standing up for truth? Someone incites, stirs up, rallies against you, persecutes you, comes at you? The truth is hard. And the truth is not a palatable thing for most of the world. We rely on the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. But the disciples did not change their message. What they did when they were rejected is walk to the edge of the city, shook off the dust and said, we'll take this to someone else then. Church, don't be discouraged. God's given us each incredible gifts and incredible story. It's probably not as long as this one but it's part of our story. And so wherever you go, may you be encouraged to speak the truth boldly, with love, as we push back the gates of hell in our workplaces, in our colleges, our dorm rooms, at homes, wherever we go in Greeley and in the world, we have a noble cause. And it's to share that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't this a cool message? I'd encourage you to give this message next week. You just don't have to read all the verses. So, Without journey and risk, there can be no progress. And with that, I'm going to ask, if you have a kid in Project Kids and you would like to, to be in here during baptisms, stand up and head on out. Go get them. Come on back. Um, we're going to take a little bit of time of reflection over these verses, and we're going to worship just a little bit, so hightail it out and come on back, because this is such a cool thing that we want you to be a part of it, and I'm getting waved down. What? Okay, there's, in an or, yeah, we'll do that later. Remind me, though. Okay, so why don't we do this? Why don't we close our, close our Bibles and... Uh, Cody and Tracy, if you want to go ahead and and go to the side and get ready, that would be great. Um, Baptism is such, such a cool thing. And some of you are here just to witness the baptism, and you're invited by the two people that were here to to get baptized. And so, um, man, you're going to witness something really cool in a little bit. But I want to just ask us to reflect right now on what God has for us. So if you would, just close your eyes and just sit in silence for a second. What a good message, God. I pray for all of us in this room that through all those words that were just spoken, that your Holy Spirit is piercing through to our heart and our mind and letting us grab onto one thing you're showing us today. So in this room, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to show us the one thing you have for us. God, reveal yourself to us in the stillness of this place.
even as our mind races and our heart races and we're thinking about a thousand things, would you just centralize us to who you are? May we focus on your name, Jesus. church, I encourage you just to reflect on your own journey as Paul and Barnabas stood up and spoke of their journey and the gospel message. What does your journey look like? What does it look like? How have you seen God move in your life? How has God shown himself to you? And just think on those things and thank God for the moments of pain and happiness and sorrow, the whole journey. God, I know in this place, your, your Holy Spirit does awesome, amazing things. And one of the things your Spirit does in our lives is convicts us. So if there's ways that any of us are living that are just outside what you have for us, your perfectness for our life, would you bring those to the surface? Maybe it's pride or fear or unbelief or a false identity. Maybe it's habits or addictions. Maybe it's apathy. God, what is it in your life you're revealing to us in this moment that we can lay at your cross and say, God, I'm sorry I've made anything more important than you, Jesus Christ. And God, pain is real. And as Brittany just brilliantly spoke moments ago about doors that you may have closed for us for certain seasons and times we don't understand. God, as we stand and look through the glass door and don't know why, would you just quiet our hearts and minds? Let us know that you're a good, good God. You're for us, not against us. Our pain is your pain. And we can trust you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And I'd encourage anyone in this room right now that if there's never been a moment where you just in the quiet of your heart just said, God, here's my life. Take control of it. I've lived it for me, and I'm tired. I'm done with it. I'd rather live for you. Then I'd encourage you in this place just to call out to God. Just say, God, here I am. All my faults, the way I'm created. God, would you show me who you are? Take control of my life. Let me live for you and find my identity in you. And show me what that looks like. And then a call out for everyone in this room. If you are not in a godly community, and by the way, Sundays alone just doesn't count. If you are not in a godly community with a house church and believers to talk about and dialogue about scripture and to pray over hardship, to celebrate wins, to be honest and real and process, then the call out is to kill all excuses And get in that community as quick as possible. 
This is the strength of the church. So God, I pray in this place, whatever you're speaking, whatever you're doing in our hearts and minds, that above all, you would be known. That Jesus Christ, you would make your name known in our hearts and in our minds. God, we thank you for who you are, what you've done, what you continue to do on our behalf. And I pray that we can stand and worship you in this place because of who you are. And all of God's people said, amen. Why don't we stand and worship?